morning. Good morning, Veritas. You guys look good out there in the sunshine. You guys feeling okay in the sun over there? Is that all right? You look good. I don't know if you're sweating or not, but you look good over there. Um, how's everybody doing this week? Are, are you a little battle-weary? I mean, this has been a season, hasn't it? I mean, just even talking with, with several of you as you're coming in, um, there's a lot going on, and there has been a lot going on, just kind of wave after wave, and now we had to learn a whole new word, derecho, right? Like we needed to know that word, like we needed to experience the definition of derecho, but um, seriously, I, are you guys doing all right? Are you kind of hanging in there? I've, I've actually been really praying for you for this morning that, that this would be a place, even as we just sang in that song, actually, that this would be a place to recapture strength and courage, and hope. Um, Man, that's my goal this morning. I I trust that God's going to meet us in this place, in this beautiful place. He's been so kind to us, Veritas, so kind to us to give us this kind of weather, and for all of you joining us um, in your homes, what what a glorious thing to be able to gather together and catch our breath, refocus on, on Jesus. But um, these last days, I think even this last week with the storm coming through, um, has been a, a tough hit for many, especially some of you who have experienced great loss. I think it's also brought out the best in a lot of people. I don't know about you, but man, I had a whole family, in fact, they're here today, come over to help me clean up my mess in my yard. And then I've got an elderly neighbor that was in worse shape than, than I was. And so they came with me over to my neighbor's house, somebody they'd never even met and cleaned up his whole place. And even just yesterday, he it was just, just beaming with gratitude. You know, he goes, man, I can't believe the expression of kindness. Your friends came over and got me cleaned up. You know, I had a farmer friend from Veritas that came and then cleaned up not only my stuff, but all of my neighbor's stuff and hauled it away. I'm just saying, like, thanks for those kind of expressions in my little world. And I think you probably have all seen the same stuff, like people just expressing, you know, just generosity and help and, and servant. But guys, I'm not going to lie. Even with all the happiness that that brought me, this is crazy. 2020 is just, it's crazy. I was thinking like, if all of a sudden, you know, we get the news like, well, be careful. This afternoon, it will be raining unicorns, you know? I, I think we'd just be like, well, I, I hope they're the flying kind. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's possible, you know? And, News bulletin, a volcano has just erupted in Kelowna. You know, horses and buggies fleeing the scene in Kelowna from the volcano. Like, you'd almost be like, yeah, totally. I get it. You know what I mean? It's just, it's... But today, guys, as, as weird as the stuff is that's being thrown our way, this is a moment for all of us, I feel like, when we come into God's presence to catch our breath. And I love, there's a passage in Isaiah that's brought for us into the New Testament as well, where where we're encouraged to strengthen tired hands, to strengthen weakened knees. What I'm saying is, all of us come in and sometimes, I know some friends of mine that have had, you know, no power and trying to feed livestock and all that, they're literally tired in their hands and in their knees, right? We all come in dragging a little bit after hitting another wave of, of misfortune coming our way. And it's just time to be reminded of why as Christians, you guys, we walk in security, 
We walk in strength. There actually is a, a strength that can pick us up like wind under an eagle's wings. And it's in these moments that we need to recapture that strength and security. And so I want to I wanna pray, and I especially want to pray for some of you out here, and I've already talked to a couple of you, that have really been hit hard, even specifically over these last days, that maybe God would especially just ring out his word into your hearts, into your ears, into your souls this morning as he recaptures us and renews our strength. So will you pray with me, and then we're going to jump into the book of 1 John. So, Lord, as I look out, there's a, a lot of people here and a lot of people in their homes right now listening in, and um, we've taken some hits. We, we've had some things come at us that we didn't, didn't see coming. A lot of folks right here, even tearing up, even as I pray, because it's, it's been a time of weakening and disillusionment. There's a lot of fear, insecurity. And so, God, I... I'm, I'm crying out to you, Lord, would you meet us in this place? And, and would you begin to replace fear with courage? Would you begin to fill that vacuum of, of weakness with strength? Would you do, Lord Jesus, what only you can do in times like this where, where darkness seems to reign, the light of your truth just seems to beam in and, and scatter the darkness. Would that be true this morning? Holy Spirit, would you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, minds to comprehend the beautiful promises that you bring to us and help us to believe that it's true. That's, that's the work that we're looking for. And so we, we bring this to you. That's our request to you, Lord. Meet us in this place. In Christ's name, amen. All right, guys, we are in the book of 1 John. If you've got your Bible with you um, or your app, whatever, go to, go to the book of 1 John. I want to remind you of how we've gotten to this point. We're going to be wrapping up like a postscript. He, he actually kind of concluded the book last week with, with Mark's passage, but he, but he wasn't quite done. He's got a few zingers to throw at us right at the end. That's what we're going to be looking at. But I want to remind you that 1 John starts with just strength and confidence. When you look at 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1, what was from the beginning what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed, we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that life was revealed. We have seen it. We testify. We're declaring it to you. He, he, the whole book is starting off to say, guys, if you are a follower of Christ, you don't follow some idea. You don't follow some myth. You don't, you don't follow some religious, you know, um, ideas out there. No, no, no. You follow a person, the man, Jesus Christ. He has come. He, we, we got to see him, John is saying. We touched him. I'm telling you, this is real. This is not myth. You should have confidence in this because this isn't some abstract theory that somebody came up with. A real man, the God-man, Jesus Christ has come for us. And when you get down to verse 9, I love this, in, in, still in chapter 1. If we confess our sins, that one that came to us, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The God who has come to us is on our side. The confidence we have is that God has come to us, and, and when he came to us, he brought us forgiveness, healing, 
there's opportunity for hope, for joy, for, for a new day. When you go to chapter 3, I love the way he just keeps crescendoing the hope. You get to chapter 3, 1 John 3, in the very first verse, see what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children, and we are. <laughs> you, know, you know why we're called that? Because we are. We are God's children right now, and we're to declare that with confidence and joy. Like, the whole book is basically to say, look, here's who you are, Christ follower, Live like it. Believe like it. You are a child of God. That is what you are. What should that look like in your life? What kind of confidence should that bring to you? So I just want to grab the last couple of verses from last week from chapter 5, starting in verse 11, where he says, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. This life is in his son. The one who has the son has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life, right? This, it's a very binary choice. It's one way or another. If you have the Son, if you have Jesus, you have life. If you do not have Jesus Christ, you do not have life. It's a very clear one way or the other, this binary choice. But he wants us to know that we do have life. And so that's why he says in verse 13, I've written these things to you who do believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. The confidence that should sweep over us. So with, with just, again, the whole movement of First John bringing confidence to us and security to us, I want that to carry us into these last few verses of, of 1 John 5. Because with that confidence, John's, John's going to conclude with these four we know statements. With great confidence, we know some things. And sometimes we begin to forget those things, right? And so he's going to remind us of what we know to be true and help us to reclaim those again. So starting in verse 14, 1 John 5, 14, it's like that epic conclusion of verse 13, and then he comes back, he's like, but, but don't forget this. This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, I, guys, that bears repeating. I want you to linger on these words, this thought. This is the confidence that we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Man, just underline that or highlight that in your app. I don't know what you'd do with it, but he hears us. And if we know that he hears, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Guys, I was meditating on this and just trying to, I don't know, kind of bask in the confidence that I'm to have in this idea that if I really do know that I have eternal life in the Son of God, I pray and he actually hears me. Now, I don't, I don't think my experience is probably different than yours, but I just want to share one experience with you where this became just palpably true for me. And this has only happened a handful of times. I don't think I've ever talked publicly about this one because it's kind of personal, but here's what happened. Um, a couple of years ago, my family was going through some, some pretty rough things. And kind of like this season right now, culturally, it was kind of like wave after wave of some pretty hard things for us to take. And I had built this tree house out in my backyard. I said it was for the grandkids. Is actually for me. I wrote a big chunk of my dissertation from my treehouse. But anyway, um, I'm up in my treehouse because that's kind of wh where I went to pray. It's late at night. And I'm just, I'm just kind of being crushed 
by a bunch of waves of, of stuff coming at me. And I'm looking up at the, the stars up from my tree house. And I should not have prayed like this. This is not a prescription to prayer. I'm just telling you what happened, not what should have happened, okay? This is what came out of my mouth. God, I don't know what to do. But, you know, my sister-in-law, Bev, died not very long ago, and she really knew you. She really loved you well. And she loved our family really well. And I'm in my treehouse, and I'm like, God, and I'm just crying. I'm like, God, can, can you just tell Bev what's going on with our family? Because I think she'd want to know. And she really knew you well. Can you have her pray for us right now? And as those words come out of my mouth, this shooting star just goes, wow, just screaming across the sky. I'm not talking about what those little tink, and it's over, and you're like, do you see that? Oh, nobody else saw it because it was so little. And no, I'm talking about this, like, this massive, you know, and it just literally set me back on my view. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I, I don't know if I should have prayed that. Like, do, you, do you pray for dead people to pray for you? I don't know. I don't know. I just, I think I just crossed a line somewhere, you know. But it was that moment where here's the thing that I knew most of all. God was listening to me. Now, you can come to me afterward and be like, that was a coincidence. No, that was a meteor. It was whatever. Wow, wow, wow. I'm telling you, the God of the universe was listening to me pray. And in that moment, let me know that he's got this, right? Now, it doesn't always happen that dramatically. Guys, I'm glad he does that to me. I'm telling you, that happens so rarely in my life. But I'm telling you, First John is trying to say, Look, I know that you have weak hands and weak knees and weak faith at times. Pray. There's a God in heaven who is for you and with confidence. Pray. Look up to the heavens and lift up your voice and and pray because you know with confidence we know that God hears his children pray, okay? That's what he's saying. Now, we pray, as it says there, according to his will, right? We don't just pray, Jesus, I want a pony, right? And then, oh, see, because I'm in Jesus, I get a pony. No, you know, and be careful what you ask for. You really don't want a pony, okay? But, but I'm just saying, it's not, no, the Christian prays the way that Jesus prayed, and that's always, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Because actually, Father, you know what I need more than I know what I need. And honestly, the stuff that I was praying for that night in my treehouse, he did answer, not the way that I was hoping he would answer, but he did answer. And even now, I'm just beginning to see all the ways that he was right and I was wrong because there's a Father in heaven that loves me. And when I pray according to his will, he hears me and he loves to answer me. Guys, in times like this, Christian, if you've been kind of weakening in your life of prayer, pray. He hears you. We know that God hears his children pray. And specifically, he gives us one way that we're supposed to pray. Look at verse 16. If anyone sees a fellow believer committing a sin that doesn't lead to death, he should ask, and God will give life to him, to those who commit sin that doesn't lead to death. Now, John throws a few curveballs at us here. I'm not going to pretend that there isn't some, like, you know, scratching of the head going on as, as you read this. You see a fellow believer committing sin that doesn't lead to death. You ask God, right? You pray specifically about a believer that you know of that is committing sin. And he's committing a sin that doesn't lead to death. Now, here's what he says. Now, there is sin that leads to death, 
I'm not saying you should pray about that, but all unrighteousness is sin. But there is sin that does not lead to death. Look, there's a lot of interpretive challenges in, in what John is saying, and it's almost like, by the way, at the end of 1 John, that maybe he has heard some questions come to him from the people that are reading this, and he's answering in these last um, you know, sentences some, some questions that they have, and we're getting one side of that, right? We're getting his response. So if there's a little confusion, I don't think it was confusing for the first century readers, but maybe to us a little bit. Here's my best take at this, guys. I think what he's saying is every now and then, there is a brother or sister who is so walking back into the darkness that God saved him out of, right? Remember back in, in, in 1 John uh, 1, 5, this is the message that we declare to God is light. There's no darkness in him. And if we say we have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we're lying. We're not practicing the truth. So every now and then somebody that has been brought out of the darkness into the light just makes a bold, reckless choice to walk back into some areas of darkness, right? And when we see that happen, here's what we got to say. God, rescue them. Because you know what? I really am my brother's keeper, right? I really am connected now. We're in the family together. And I can't just stand idly by while somebody gets rescued out of that darkness and then just starts volitionally just choosing to walk back into it. God, I want to pray for them. And if you'd use me to rescue them, to be a truth speaker to them, help me to be that. Let me shine the light of your truth into their life. God, please rescue this brother or sister. Now, that idea of the sin leading to that, every now and then, guys, Christians can sin to a point where God's like, you know what? It's, it's just time to take you home. I've given you chance after chance after chance. No, no, no. I, I'm just, I, I'm going to bring you home, maybe even before your time. This happens in the Bible, right? Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts. You get to 1 Corinthians, some of those that were really abusive within the church of God. And he says, I'm going to cause some of you to sleep. That's a biblical euphemism for a Christian that dies prematurely. I'm going to, you guys, Moses, Moses rebelled, struck a rock, and then he's like, I, I want to keep going. No, I'm going to take you home. I, I want to get into the promised land. No, I'm going to take you home before, before you get to end it. No, time to take you home. I'm just saying, sometimes we cross a line to the point where there's actually physical death because God's like, no, I'm just, time to bring you home. You're not, you're not changing your ways. But what he's saying is, guys, that happens so rare. Like, I had to really search through my Bible to think of times that that occurrence happens. What he's saying, though, is if you see somebody wandering back into sin, don't let them get that far. Pray for them. Pray that God would bring them back. We've got people all around. You guys know them that are making some reckless choices. Pray, 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 because God loves to hear that prayer. Here, here's what I love. This actually happened within the life of Jesus with his disciples. He, back in, in Luke 22, I'll just read this for you, but um, he's telling him about this kingdom that he's going to take them to. And at one point, he looks to Peter, and he calls him Simon. That was kind of a nickname. He says, Simon, Simon, look out. This is Jesus talking to Peter. Look out. Satan is asked to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. He says, you know, Peter's response is, no, I'm, I'll go to prison. I'll go to death for you. And, and Jesus is like, well, actually, you're about to deny me three times. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. But, here, but here's what Jesus is saying. But you know what? Yeah, you're going to stumble a bit. 
You're going to start denying me. You thought that you were so strong. You thought you were so courageous. You're going to start stumbling around. You're going to start denying me. But get this, Peter, I have prayed for you, and you're going to come through that. You might stumble a bit, but you're going to come back around. And when you do come back around, use that as an opportunity to strengthen the other people around you. That's the kind of prayer we're supposed to pray for our fellow believers. God, bring them through, and when you bring them through, and when you re-strengthen them and bring them back into the light, help them to be a joy and a point of hope for so many others that would have taken that path, but they reverse course. And by your grace, here they are standing among us again. Let's pray for each other, right? If God's bringing you to you, somebody in your mind right now that you know is walking back into darkness, pray for them. Pray for them. God wants them walking in the light. Okay, three more rapid fires as he closes this this book off, okay? Three more rapid-fire ways that he wants us to uh, express our confidence. First one, verse 18. We know, he says, that everyone who has been born of God does not sin, but the one who is born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. Man, this, this is a beautiful promise. This is the, we know that the evil one has no power over us. Okay, if you're taking notes, that's what this is saying. We know with confidence, we can know this securely. We know the evil one has no power over us. If you are a child of God, you are no longer a slave of sin. You don't have to just say yes to every temptation that comes your way. You don't have to. You can say no to sin and yes to righteousness. I will never forget when this truth came boldly into my life. I, I was a fairly new believer, was really giving in still to my, my sin of anger, just venting anger. I was a, kind of a, a rage kind of person. And a friend of mine said, have you ever just memorized Romans 6? And I was like, no, here's, here's what happened. So this was the reason I pulled my phone out was because I memorized it in King James version. I don't speak King James anymore. <laughs> It's kind, of a, it's kind of an art that you have to, you know, continue on. Uh, but this is, this is what I memorized, and it, it was a game changer for me. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Like, if God has to pour out a bunch of grace because I sin, if I sin a bunch more, I get even more grace. Should I just keep sinning so grace may abound? Here's what he says. God forbid. I love the King James. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in it? Know ye not that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we're buried with him by baptism into death that lies Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. I'm, you guys, I started memorizing those verses and all of a sudden it hit me. I don't have to sin anymore. I can say no to that. I'm not enslaved. I can walk in newness of life. And I'm telling you, I started memorizing that. And every time I'd start feeling rage come on, I'd start quoting that back to myself. And that rage would just kind of dissipate. Here's what I'm saying, what John is trying to say. Guys, you don't have to say yes to temptation anymore. You are no longer a slave of sin. And in fact, the evil one does not have a grip on you. He can't touch you anymore. So walk in that confidence. Walk in that freedom. And when you do sin, go to the Father. 1 John 1, 8, I confess that back to you. So here's what he's saying. He's not saying that we never sin. He's already covered that back in chapter 1. We all sin. But we don't live in this sustained, habitual sin 
over and over and over. That's what he's trying to say in 1 John 5. You can say no to sin and yes to righteousness. And when you do sin, and you will, on those occasions, you say, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. Forgive me. And the Father just loves to lavish you with forgiveness and bring you back. Just know that everyone who has been born of God doesn't have to have this habitual sin. We're born of God. He keeps us. The evil one doesn't touch us. And look at verse 19. Here's the, the second lesson. We know that we are of God, and the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. Here's what else we know. We know the evil one has no power over us, but here's what we know from verse 19. We know the evil one has power over the world. Guys, the evil one does have power over the world. By world, we mean the world system, like the operating system of the way things ought to be. We can see that things are not the way they ought to be. An evil one kind of has his hand in the levers, right? Guys, does 2020 need to offer any more evidence that the evil one has his hand on the levers of the world system? Okay? Guys, this world, this earth was not created to tear and to destroy. That's not what those derechos or whatever are not supposed to be part of Eden. Not supposed to be. This world itself seems to be convulsing with evil. Something like in Iowa, I think they're up to estimating... 14 million acres of crops destroyed in one storm that swept through this state. That's not the way this earth was made to be. Guys, rulers on this earth were not put in place to abuse power and to exploit people. That's not the way it's supposed to be. But look around our world system. What do we have? Rulers that rise up, and when they get to that point of power, what do they do? Exploit, bring harm for their own good. That's not the way rulers were supposed to be in this world. And guys, we don't have to look at weather systems or big rulers out there. In your own hearts and lives, guys, we were not created to hate. We were not created to curse. We were not created to step on our neighbors and our friends. No. I, and I'm telling you, all of a sudden, do we really believe that an election that's going to happen in 87 days from now is actually going to turn the course of events for everything and make everything right? I don't care. Either side of your political <laughs> aspirations, do we really think that an election is suddenly going to make everything right? No. The entire global world system is dominated, First John is trying to say, by an evil one. I love uh, Stanley... Uh, Havervaus. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I read him a lot. He's this theologian. Here's what he says about this very point. No wonder modern humanity, even as it loudly proclaims its freedom and power to choose, is really an impotent herd driven this way and that, paralyzed by the disconnectedness of it all. Even as we proclaim, we're going to make some choices. We're going to make this right. We're going to... He says, you know what? We're really an impotent herd driven this way and that paralyzed by the disconnected of it all. He says, it's just one darn thing after another. This is a theologian. And he doesn't use the word darn. He uses the same word for a structure that holds a river back. This is sometimes even theologians use, I guess, the most appropriate word for them to use. He's like, this is, no, we can't control the world system. There's an evil one that's got his hands on the levers. But here's what he says in 1 John 5, 19 but we know we're of God. Guys, I don't, I, don't, I don't know why people kind of out there make the decisions that they make, 
But you know what? We're not going to play by the same rules of the world system because we've got Jesus giving us a whole new set of rules of how to live and how to guide our steps, right? We're not going to take a play out of the playbook of the way the world system works because that's under enemy clutches. No, we're going to look to Jesus Christ and we're going to be, I, I think Mark's, one of Mark's favorite quotes from Eugene Peterson, we're to be a colony of heaven in a country of death, right? No matter what's swirling around in the world system, we're to be the kind of people who claim we're of God. And we're going to live like it and act like it and be a colony of, of hope, a colony of heaven. Because, very last point, verse 20, we know truth. We know truth. Verse 20, and we know that the Son of God has come. We know that. He's given us understanding. He's opened our eyes, right? So that we may know the true one, and we are in the true one. That is, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Just truth. True. We know the true one. We're in the true one. Guys, Jesus has come to open our eyes, to shed light into our darkness. We were stumbling around, following the world system, doing all the same stuff that everybody else is doing and clouding our minds with all the same lies everybody else. And now, all of a sudden, Jesus has come, and he's turned the lights on, and he's lifted the veil, and we're to walk in a whole new way of life. We don't have to wonder anymore, guys. We don't have to wonder anymore, what's, what's all this about? We know what this is all about. We have the book that brings light and truth to bear so that we understand what's going on in this world. We don't have to lift our eyes to the heavens anymore and say, is anyone out there? We know there's someone out there, and you know what? He has come to us. That's the whole theme of 1 John. Yes, he is the God out there, and he has come to us, and he has said, I am going to come. In fact, I'm going to now bring you to join me, and until that day where I bring you to join me, I'm going to come and join you. <laughs> he is with us, and we are in him, and he in us. I'm going to read that, that verse again. Verse 20 is, is such a golden verse. We know that the Son of God has come. He has given us understanding so that we may know the true one. And we are in the true one. That is in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God, eternal life. Walk in confidence in that. Which is why the last verse, little children, guard yourselves from idols. <laughs> what a weird way to end a book, isn't it? What? No, I think what he's saying is I think he's going, look, this is what's true. Don't settle for a forgery. Don't settle for some scam. Don't settle for something far less, for some counterfeit. You know the truth in Jesus Christ Act like it, live like it, believe like it, have the confidence of walking through this life as a child of the light. So I want to ask you, like I did at the beginning, how are you guys doing? <laughs> How's 2020 treating you? Because I just, here's the, here's the reality, guys. It's not over yet. <laughs> not by any stretch. And you might feel like you've got weak hands and weak knees, and I, I don't know. This is, here's what I'm saying. We need to take a deep breath and take a big drink of truth and settle our hearts and souls because Jesus Christ has come. And so I just say it with all of us, Lord Jesus, if you are with us, who can be against us? 
Jesus, if you're going to walk with us no matter what comes our way in the rest of 2020, bring it on. Not because I'm so courageous, but because you are so strong and you have this, God. So I'm going to reclaim my confidence, not in myself or this world, but my confidence in Jesus Christ. So to that end, we, we just thought we have to have communion on a day like this, right? This is a day that we have to be able to proclaim again, Jesus we are taking this bread and taking this cup in order to remind ourselves that you are real. There was real body, real blood shed so that we could have real life. And so the way that we're going to do this, guys, is we're going we're gonna to begin to worship. And if, if you're on the worship team or if you're going to be serving at the serving tables, kind of make your way there. Because here, here's the way we're going to do this as an act of worship and a redeclaration, a reconfession of who we are in Jesus Christ. Um, as you feel comfortable, you can make your way. And what we've done is we've tried to be super sensitive to the way that we're, we're even offering communion. So uh, nobody else will be touching the, the, the food and the cup. Uh, we want this to be a bold declaration, but as safe a declaration as we can make it for you to be able to worship the risen Jesus Christ. Because guys, this is a way, this is one solid way for us to say, we are a child of God. You know, I just met a brand new believer, Joe, that's here. He's, he just gave his life to Christ. This is his first time ever taking communion. Is that awesome? How, I just remember that, that moment. Here's what I'm saying. May it be for all of us that we, in a First John kind of way, make this our moment to say, I am reclaiming again, as if for the first time, my confidence is in Jesus Christ. I want to pray for us, and we're going to worship. And then let's stand up, guys. Why don't you stand there are tables all around, kind of here, back there, over here, toward the back. And, and you can just kind of mill around through, throughout worship. Let's remind ourselves of the beauty of our confession in Jesus Christ. Let's, let's pray together. Jesus. Grateful Jesus that we can know you, the one true God. There's a lot of lies spinning around. There's a lot of idols. There's a lot of fake ideas. A lot of scams that are trying to capture our attention. We want to just, in this moment, reject all idols, all false ideas about who you are and reclaim in this moment the truth of Jesus Christ that you have come for us died for us, rose again for us, and one day you will put everything right side up again. And because of our faith in you right now, we get to be part of that right side up world, and that's why we take another breath and take another step because of our confidence and the hope that you've brought us. And so Jesus, may you fill our hearts with worship. May this time of communion be a recalibrating, a resetting of our soul to what's true and right in Jesus. These things we pray and ask in Jesus' name.